I tell you what, man, I used to be a soldier and a police officer and a youth pastor, and I'm not afraid of anything, but that woman scares me. <laughs> she, uh, I just wanted to kind of give her a hug, like, like, thank you, high five, and I didn't know what to say to her, so she walked by, I said, when they do the movie, J-Lo needs to play you. She goes, I'm already, de- I'm already working on it right now. I thought, man. <laughs> well, good morning, Freedom Center. Ah, oh, it's good to be a part of something that's doing something, isn't it? I love this church. I love you guys. Um, uh, again, good morning, Pontotoc, Mississippi. I can't believe that what's, it's, it's 80 degrees and sunny here today. <laughs> Dude, I kid you not, there's snow on the ground right now. Our iguanas are falling out of the trees. It's so cold. Uh, Graham Blank, the radio, WNSNL, um, live stream, Facebook Live, all this stuff. I, I, it's shocking that what is happening here is so easily projected around the world. And thank you again for just being, being the people that have an open heart, not saying, well, this is ours, or we don't want to, that costs too much, but saying, how can we get hope to people? I love this church. It's good. I always wanted to go to a church like this. I always did. So that I get to serve it is an honor. Uh, I also want to say this, that's coming up on Good Friday. Was that a week from Friday, right? It would be a Good Friday. We're going to have our Passover meal. Now, if you've never been to a, a Passover Seder or a Passover meal, it really connects the Old Testament, 3,000-year-old um, Passover, the night of Passover, Moses and the people coming out of Egypt into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. Uh, it captures that. There, there's bitter herbs and salty tears and, and horseradish and crackers. And so what's that mean? We're going to go through this together as, as primarily a group of Gentiles trying to connect with some Israeli roots. How many guys know that if you're engrafted into the vine of Jesus, Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is uh, of the, the tribe of, of David and he's a line of the tribe of Judah. And uh, it's going to be fun. But I, you say, well, will my kids be okay? Is it going to be a formal dinner? We're going to have food food. So it's not just crackers and horseradish and, and parsley dipped in salt water and shanks and all that kind of stuff. By the way, the shank is a bone if you're from I don't mean that kind of a shank. It's a, it's a bone. Like, there's going to be shanks? What a party. No, that's not what we're doing. Um, uh, but, like, what would the kids do? Let's say there's, there's, there are, the whole thing is built around your children. Like, the Seder dinner is the four questions that a child would ask. Why, why is tonight different than all other nights, Father? Why is tonight different than all other nights, Mother? Um, it, we're going to be sitting at round tables so as families, and we're going to have whoever the head of that family is, a man, a woman, an older sibling, whoever the, the head of that family is will be doing some things and handing some things out. We're going to be hiding things for the children at a certain part. We're going we're gonna to break some bread, but we're going to hide part of it. It's going to be hidden away, and then the children get to go find the broken bread. It's, this, it's symbolic. It's been going on for 3,000 years, but it, it's symbolic now for us. We realize that what we found was the bread of life. When we went looking for Jesus, we found him. So it's for the family to be a part of it. Sunrise service. I'm sorry. Seder's at five, right? On Good Friday night. Saturday, we're going to rest because I'm old. And then Sunday at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock, we have regular services. But sunrise service begins at 6.30 in the A of M. How many guys know, if you really want to get close to Jesus, get up really early in the morning. Uh, revival is happening in Asia. So my thought is pray when they're praying. Seems like a good idea. So get up, man, 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever it takes to get the barn painted, get the kids ready, and bring them here. Because we are going to have a blast out in the four-way sunrise service. And it's just good. How many guys know we need traditions? You say, well, traditional. No, no, We need these bedrock moments where we come together as a community and share communion in the four-way, where we break the matzah, the bread, just like Jesus did for his disciples, just like Moses did. You know, why does the bread have no yeast, Father? The questions that a child would ask. We need to be the ones that lead our children in the traditions. How many of you guys like the, the tradition of Christmas? 
You like the tradition of the tree and the presence and the presence and the presence and the food and the presence and the tree, but mostly the, the, the presence. You know what I mean? We, we need these traditions in our lives. So come and be a part of it this Easter. And all God's people said, amen. All right, we're going to shift gears here um, because we're, we're shifting seasons. We had this season where we're trying to kind of remember what it was to worship together at an altar. And I, I told you from the beginning of this in January, like when we get to that place where I think we'll be able to pick this up and take it with us, it's not a series we leave behind. We're going to be taking this with us into the future, then we will. And so today we're starting a series called Next Two. Everybody say Next Two. Next two. 18 times in the third chapter of Nehemiah as they're rebuilding the wall, it says, and you know, Barney built a section of the wall next to Fred, who built a section of the wall next to Bam Bam, who built a section of the wall next to Pebbles. And, and it's this beautiful story of, of people that have nothing in common having this in common that brings them together under God to do something that individually they could have never done. And how God uses that in people's lives. So open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read the entire book starting with the first four verses. Here we go. You ready? Everybody ready? All right. The word of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. How many of you guys are like, I could have done without that first sentence? I'm reading the Bible. Get over it. Uh, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah and some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So 140 years ago, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed everything. The city thrown down the, the walls, the gates. There had been some attempts to go back, but it had not been successful. And so he's asking, how was the attempt to go back and rebuild Jerusalem? How's it, how are people in Judah doing? And, uh, and so he asked his buddy Hanani. And so he says that those who survived the exile, many of them died. Maybe that's disease, maybe that's enemies, maybe that's lack of clean drinking water, maybe it's famine. But those who survived, it's not many. They're, they're back in the province. They're, they're in great trouble and they're in great disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire like it's unrepairable. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now, one of the things that that we have to recognize today because we have a couple thousand years to figure out that what they're talking about may be different than what they understand there. Does that make sense? How many of you know it's nice to know the whole story? I, I hate it when I record a game and someone tells me the ending of it, but as long as I know Michigan beat Ohio State, it's, like it's, it's nice because every time something wrong happens, I don't go, oh, they're going to lose. I go, they already won. I already know it. Thank you for sharing with me the outcome of that game. I've waited 10 years. And if you're in here and you did that, I forgive you for the most part. But he's asking about like, what, what's happening? Did it work? Did they, did they find a route? Are, they, are we going to be a people again? And Hanani goes, no, no. No, it's not going to happen. And it's interesting how what God does in that moment is something that he, he was birthed with. And he, I think if he tried to articulate it like Moses as a younger man, uh, like David as a younger man, there was just something different about him. They, they saw things that everybody else saw, but it affected them differently. And when he realizes that the dream of, of those who have been sent out all over the world in exile, going back and rebuilding where David's tomb is, rebuilding a temple where we can worship our God, rebuilding this, this understanding of the Mosaic law, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It, did it happen? He goes, no, no, it didn't even come close, man. It was Villanova. It was, it was awful. It didn't even get close to beating North Carolina. It's terrible. It's terrible. What's interesting is Hanani goes on his way. Now, now get this. 
God's about to give Nehemiah something that is going to change his life. And at first we're going to say, that doesn't make sense. Hanani goes on his way. Yeah, it's just, it's awful. And he walks away. As, as he's walking away, Nehemiah is finding his way. Because he's supposed to do something about it. And how do we know this? Because God gave him a piece of who he was in his broken heart. God looked at Jerusalem with the same heart that Nehemiah did. And God gave Nehemiah this little, not, not, the, not the weight, it would kill him, it would destroy him. But he said, you need more than passion and more than patriotism. You need, you need more than a sense of, uh, you know, a desire for some sort of autonomy or some sort of orthodoxy. You need a piece of what I have when I look at the, the remnants. I, I realized it was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, but long before Nebuchadnezzar conquered it, it was conquered by sin. That those who lived in those walls that I protected and I blessed, they, they blew it first and then I had to turn them over for a period so they come back in repentance. The pain would cause them to turn back. And so I am just as disappointed about this as you are. So Hanani goes on his way and Nehemiah finds his way and he's so broken. He's got this weird job. He's the cupbearer to the king, which means he gets to stand in the king's presence. But because poisoning and assassination attempts were a big deal, this is his job. Before I drink it, you drink it, and I watch. There was no retirement program. There was no, maybe life insurance, but no, no social security for that job. So he would drink it, and the king would kind of do his thing, but occasionally look up, and all of a sudden he went, he'd be like, okay, who poisoned the cup? Who touched the cup? So he's, he's, he drinks the cup, and the king's looking at him, and he notices something different. He says, you look sad. Are you sick? He goes, I'm, I'm not sick. He goes, then why? This is, this is a sadness of heart. Why are you so sad? Understand, just days before this, God gave him a piece of his broken heart, and he can't hide it. He's been fasting. He's been praying. He's been crying. He's been mourning, and he stands before the king going, <laughs> the king goes, you got some explaining to do, Lucy, because I don't know what you drank, but I don't want to look like you. What's going on? He goes, he says, why shouldn't my face look downcast? When the city of my father's lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed and its walls have been torn down. I love this. The king says, what do you want? What do you want? He says, I love this virtue. He goes, so I prayed to the Lord my God and I said, now wait a minute. I prayed to the Lord. Did he pray? I prayed to the Lord my God. I was like, I'll be back in three days. I need to intercede. What was his prayer? Anybody ever prayed this prayer? God help. Yeah, that's what you said it to? Yeah, God help. Okay, um... What do you need? How long will your journey take? What do you need? He goes, I, I need wood. I need stone. I need this. I need that. And, by, and he, he actually thought about what he might need in case anybody ever asked. And he asked with his broken heart, the king who had no benefit of a walled city being restored with people that may turn on him in the future. How many of us know that kings only want one walled city and that's the city they live in? Not the city that somebody else might live in, especially the Jews. They have, they have a terrible reputation for only believing there's one God. And then it's not Nebuchadnezzar. And it certainly isn't Artaxerxes. And so he's like, he said, what do you need? And he sends him out to do it. The king allows him to go back to his city. I love this with his countrymen. Now, now shift gears for just a second. I want to ask you a question. You ever seen something God did or created and you, you, you thought to yourself, what was God thinking? I'm driving down the road. It's 1985. I got my full dress road bike. My buddy Jay Van Buskirk's on his Harley Sportster. Remember the, the 1980s version of Harley Sportsters? They were made by a bowling ball company named uh, AMC. The engines were terrible. The, the, it was, was that, where's Pastor Ian's not here? The knucklehead, I think is what it was. But just a terrible engine. So he's cruising down the road, and we're probably doing 80 because we're cops. So... 
There's a certain logic to it. Just trust me. You get pulled over, you're like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't give a ticket for that. I'm a police officer. You're a police officer? You're okay, I gotta let you off. Come in courtesy, right? So we're flying down the freeway, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, bong, get your motor running. I'm on a Honda, by the way. You know, get out on the highway in my big rice burner, you know. And all of a sudden, Jay goes, and he, he's off the side of the road. I'm like, what? And I downshift, downshift, look in the rearview mirror. He's like all over the place. Something's wrong. He's got nothing on, no, no helmet. And all of a sudden, he gets totally squirrely. And, and I watch him dump the bike. Something, it's a flat front tire. The engine blew up and took off his right leg. You know, something serious is going on. I put down the kickstand. I go flying back, probably from here, at least to the back of the room. And, he, and the, the bike is completely laid over. He's off the bike and he's laying on the ground and he's kicking his legs. I'm like, what has happened? He's got both his legs, both his arms. I'm an MP, so I'm, I'm, I'm triaging. What's happening? What's and he's got his hands on his throat. I'm like, he can't breathe. Something's wrong. So I said, buddy, come here. And he's just, he's like, take his hands. Like, I want to see what's, what's punctured your larynx. And when I take the hands off, there are guts and legs and and eyebrows and in Texas we have cockroaches that are literally four inches wide four inches long by two inches wide and they have wings and one flew up and hit him right in the Adam's apple and collapsed his throat how many guys know it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt and then it's hilarious So his, his bike is scratched up. He's got guts in his ears. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to tell this story for the rest of my life. This is such a good one. And, and, and when you see that, don't how many guys would ask the question like, what was God thinking when he gave like a six ounce insect wings? You know, in, in the same way, I, I, I would say, what is God thinking? I, if God wants the city rebuilt... Why would he choose a bunch of 140-year-old exiled, bullied slaves? If they've been taught anything in 140 years since they were dispersed, it certainly is not warfare. <laughs> you're right? Okay, you're a slave. Let me teach you how to kill your master. Like, nobody does that. Let me teach you how to be a goldsmith or work in a field or, you know, trim the, the rocks, but not put them on top of each other. Like, they don't know anything that they're supposed to know to be free. And so they literally, for, for generations now, three, four generations, their daddy's 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 daddy has not drawn a free breath. They don't know how to use weapons. That, that knowledge is all gone. Their language is pretty much gone. Just this hope and dream that there was a homeland someday we get to go back there, I don't know. And so God chooses, are you getting this? God chooses people who are probably the least qualified people in the world to build a city under duress, surrounded by foreign armies who don't want them there and want them dead. They've never picked up a sword. They've, they've never picked up a knife. They've never picked up a shield. There's no, you know, columns of four and form a perimeter. They don't know about any of that because they've been purposely kept from any defensive or offensive information that might make them dangerous to their masters. Now, now, This is what I think is going on. Please hear me. When God restores a person, he often does that by connecting them to their purpose. If you thought the getting right with God was having your sins forgiven, you're only half right. Once the person that God didn't create you to be is dealt with, there's the second part of that of finding out who God did create you to be. And and if all we have is a Christianity that tells us what what to do, or what not to do if it's all about morality and it's all about being this in a dress of a certain length and not watching that rated movie. And I mean, understand this, that a Christianity that tells us what to do and what not to do, but fails to tell us who we are, will never be satisfying. 
We may have dealt with the sin issue. We may have dealt with the hell issue. We may have dealt with the addiction issue or the infidelity issue, whatever the issue, the guilt, the shame. But if we don't know who we are, then we're forgiven wax statues. We're forgiven implements that rust on a barn wall. We're, we, are, we are no longer, listen, dealing with yesterday is the work of God, but dealing with tomorrow is also the work of God in your life. So Nehemiah, the conquered, is now going to engage that broken heart into some gear that makes a difference. Ephesians 2.10, right? We're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do, to do, everybody say, to do, Good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So Nehemiah is not like, okay, I need somebody, uh, Neem will work. He was created to rebuild a city. There was a pain inside of that man that rocked him to his core. You realize that when he stood before the king, the king could say, you're not allowed to be sad in front of me. Take his head off, get me another one. He risked his life. How many guys know that if you have a pain that is worth living for, it's worth dying for? It's, it's a passion. It's, a, it's an intensity. It's something that is inside of you that has to find its way out before you get to be satisfied with this life. I was just listening to a song. We watched the, the documentary the other night uh, called Sing Part Two. And... <laughs> There's a, there's a lion played by Bono, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Remember that? I mean, I saw that scene. Anybody have grandchildren that you use as an excuse to go to that movie? You're going anyway, but it's just nice to have kids so people don't judge you, you know? And, and literally, there's that, you know, there's, there's lines in it about, I carried my cross, forgave my shame, you know, you know I believe this, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Can I tell you, about 80% of the believers I know, they believe that Jesus carried the cross and took their shame. And they believe it, but they still haven't found what they're looking for. That, that process, that brokenness, when God restores a person, listen to me, he often does it by engaging their person, but he's not done. When God restores a person, he connects them with others who share a common purpose. Are you getting this? So it's not just I got this desire to help kids out of sex slave. Once you say that publicly, other people who have the same broken heart say, can I help? Can I, can I tear down the wall? Can I, can I paint it once you put it back up again? Can I be a part of this ministry? Can I mow the grass? Can I do something? Because when you said I have a heart for adoptive and foster and all of a sudden people say, well, I do too. I just never had anybody to lead me there. Isn't it interesting that when God restores a person, he gives them a purpose. And often that purpose is found in a community of people who share a common goal. Rebuild the walls, rebuild the gates, rebuild the homes, the the temple, rebuild the culture, rebuild the language, rebuild the pride, rebuild people who will act in obedience, not like those 140 years ago who were first conquered by their own sins and then by Nebuchadnezzar. Look at at what they built, guys. That bad boy is two and a half miles long. Live stream, if you can get the shot off of me or maybe John, you can get the shot on the screen here. But that, that thing is two and a half miles long. It's just under 80 feet in average height. So sometimes over, sometimes under. And it's about eight feet wide. <laughs> how many guys know that's asking a lot from people that don't know how to fight and don't know how to build? They were goldsmiths and hairdressers. They were, they were, they were people who cooked meals and took out trash. And God said, now here's what I have for you to do. That is what, 250 feet of two and a half miles of wall. Let me ask you a very just logical question. Shouldn't God do something in them first? <laughs> I mean, before we're sent to war, before the Samaritans, 
before the Amorites, before the Stinkerites, I'll come hunting for us in the middle of the night and start manipulating leadership and lying and creating rumors that make everybody... Like, shouldn't, shouldn't these people be liberated for a season? Shouldn't they be free for a while? Shouldn't they go through a school? Shouldn't, maybe this generation should just die in the wilderness so the next generation can actually rebuild the city. But God says, no, this will be the team that does it. I'm going to work with this team. And, I, and this is what I want you to hear. Because I don't think it's just about this story. I believe this is what God was thinking then. And I think this is what God is thinking today. Are you still here? God's not using them to rebuild a city. God's using a city to rebuild them. It's not like, you know, I'm God, but boy, that's a big wall. Seems like I should get some people to help me with that. Matter of fact, can I I just, yeah, the pants are having a hard time today. Just get over it. (laughs) Being a motivational speaker, doing the best I can. Down by the river in my van. I wasn't even, it wasn't even bothering me until you brought it up. Sorry about that. Isn't it weird that God would take unqualified slaves and say, the only way to make you who I see you to be is to give you something impossible that only we can do. I'm going to give you other believers, other people that come together to do this. They were all they had and God had to come through. No less than 40 years in the wilderness or the taking of the promised land is this task here. No less than us going from being independent, lying, hiding, shameful, behind our fig leaf centers to coming into a community and being honest and letting God be among us. Um, see, our, our past is forgiven too. You guys see that? Come on, say amen. I'll preach it all day. Our past is forgiven too. If, if you are in a faith relationship with Jesus, that faith is that he is bigger than your sins. What he has done for you is greater than what you've done. That you are not the worst thing you've ever done. You are the best thing he's ever done for you. That you are the net result of the worst of sins, but the greatest of mercy that forgave those sins and paid in full through the life of his son, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross, executed like a sinner, though he committed no sins for sinners like us who deserve to be executed. Come on, right? So God's forgiven our past. God wants to restore us. God's going to engage our purpose. God's going to connect us with others who share the same common purpose. And God calls that the church. I love this part of the sermon. It makes me happy. God gives us the great co-mission. Not not just co, but co Do you guys get that? The great commission is not just that God's going to be on our side and we're going to be on God's side. It's that God's going to be on our side and we're going to work together to make sure that kids have hope. When they cry out to God somewhere, God, if you're real and you're there, you've got to get me out of this. I'm I'm a 13-year-old prostitute. I'm being marketed multiple times per day. God, if you're real, you've got to help me. God said, I've heard your cry and I'm sending help. We've got kids and parents and addictions and issues and youth and seniors and on and on it goes. And then they're saying, God, if you're real, how many of us know that one of the things God's going to use us to do is we're going to work really hard to make sure that God answers prayers. You say, we're going to pray harder? Yes, but we're also going to be God's answer to people's prayers that need someone to show up. They need someone to give, someone to vote, someone to help, someone to care. Like we are not just here to, to have an election cycle every two to four years. We are here to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so if God cares about it and he gives it to us, he entrusts us with a piece of his broken heart, then it is on us not to go, man, that breaks my heart. What's for lunch? That breaks my heart. 
what am I going to do about it? And as soon as you say, I'm going to do this about it, and you say it out loud, somebody else will say, well, I think this, and I think that. We started something I've never done. 35 years now in full-time ministry, 27 years as of last Sunday, our family came here to serve you guys. I had no idea. I, I said, hey, if anybody wants to write a book, let's, let's get together. You know, right now we've got 23 people in this congregation that are in the process of writing their first or second book, right? Well, what is that? I, I mean, I, th- I thought maybe five people, we call it the Inklings. We're going to go like the Oxford professors in the 40s, and we're going to go to a local pub that serves non-alcoholic beverages. Thank you for laughing. No, no one else got that, Pastor Jason, and I think yours is more of a pity-ish kind of a, <laughs> okay. But as soon as you say, I believe this is what God wants us to do, you'll find about 20 other people that say, I, I believe that. I just didn't have anybody to connect to. Does this make sense? Guys, there's something in your heart. And, and if you didn't know it, you're not here to have your sins forgiven. You're here to have your sins forgiven and your life born again to become something. God calls out the church and we have this co-mission. He is not using us to build this local church. He is using this local church to build us. We, we're a part of it. It's a part of us. It's an environment. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's a beautiful liability. It's a passionate covenant. It's, it's an agreement we make that if one of us sees it and anybody else will join them, it's okay to go do it. We plant churches. We start ministries. We love people that nobody else loves. We reach out to people like, man, I've got this harp. You know, the church doesn't have that ministry yet. You know what that means to us? That means you're in charge of the new ministry. How many of you guys just had an amen moment? Some of you guys had a no crap moment, right? Like, oh, crap. I, no, I was going to wait for the church. Because the church, I go, to a, I go to a church. And the church is supposed to have a vision. And they're supposed to tell me what to do. And I'm supposed to be there, you know, regularly, which has changed through the years that have the definition of regular. And when I can't be there, I'm supposed to be on live stream. So help me, if you come back to Michigan with a tan, you better sit in the back row, baby. You know what I mean? I, I'm supposed to do, be faithful. I'm supposed to give. I'm supposed to, like, hear me. You're supposed to be you. The you that God meant when he created you. I want to challenge everyone with this question. What if we stopped going to church to get something? What what if we gave ourselves to this work and we allow God to build us together into his plans? I I, I want to be very, very careful, which is not at all my nature. Um, So it's easier for me to say, I'm going to be careful, but you might have to give me some grace, Okay. Sometimes I look at, I don't know where you came from, I don't know what your understanding is, but I look at people it's like, where did you get that from? That's not us. We don't do that. You weren't taught that here. Well, you know, Kingdom Builders, it's about, it's a fundraising event. We have like, stop. It's what with that? That's the way you raise the funds to get like, stop. If I hear you say raise funds one more time, I'm going to turn you over to Dina. <laughs> it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry pastor's wife. I'll tell you that much, Right? Listen, it's not a fundraising. Do we raise funds? Yes, but it's not a fundraising. What we're talking about is what do we believe God is saying to this congregation and what are we supposed to do about that? Does that make sense? Do we raise funds? Yes, but that's not the point. The point is to raise faith and unity. When you hear kingdom builders, like this morning on the way out, there's going to be a guy standing with a bucket. You've done nothing for Ukraine, but you've got a broken heart for it. You've done, you've done nothing for the kids that they can't afford to go to camp this year. A vacation Bible school type explore camp is going to take place five nights where there's going to be a thousand people in this room on Friday night. Adults, kids, young. It's going to be chaotic for a week. We're going to all be exhausted like a bulldog after the grandkids came to visit and tired, right? But you've got a broken heart for it. You're not supposed to have a broken heart and forget about it. You're supposed to have a broken heart and do something about it. 
The first steps class is going to happen like right after this. There's a 15-minute break. Then we're going to go to, around the corner to the youth room and have a first steps class. Well, is that indoctrination? No. Do you know us? Indoctrination? I didn't go to college. I'm not even sure what the proper definition for indoctrination is. So what is it? It's introduction. This is the church you're attending. And this is our heart. And this is our dream. And this is our passion. And this is our pain. So I didn't sign up yet. I don't care. Go. Because if you're going to move into ministry, not just come and receive. I mean, no, we're, 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 there's a season to come and receive. But there's a season when you've received all you can until you put it to work. You can't find who you are by coming to receive. You find who you are by having Jesus deal with your past, but then giving your future to Jesus and find out what he does, man. Membership class. This cracks me up. Well, I, you know, what, is that, what are the requirements? And I'm sorry, I sound like Marvin the Martian, but I'm trying to make a nerd. A plutonium P38 space modulator. What, is, what happens to the, I'd like to be a voting member. It's like, you know, we do have a business meeting, but you don't, you don't have to be a member to have a, a say. All the, all the numbers. How many guys know when you're proud of numbers, you don't care who sees them? Two people. Three. Thanks, Sammy. So see the numbers. Ask any question you want. We don't care. Yes, there's a vote because we're a nonprofit corporation, blah, 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 state of Michigan says, right? How many guys know this? Like, membership's not about becoming a member. It's actually, Pastor Josh, change the name of that. It's a terrible name, right? It's not a membership class. It's an ownership class. We're going to own this vision together. We want to find out who you are. We want to find out if you're that person that's going to lead that new ministry that we've never thought of. We want to find out if you fit in on a team of people that have this vision. But it's not about coming and seeing. It's about going and doing. If you want to be a member of the church, my assumption is you don't want to vote once a year. My assumption is you want to find out how do I get into the guts of this thing and make a difference. Easter Sunday is coming up. What a beautiful opportunity to dress up the little kids and put bow ties on Junior. I, I agree. But you know that eight out of 10 people you invite to come to church with you on Easter Sunday will come to church with you on Easter Sunday? Statistics say, Barner Research, eight out of 10, if you tell them what you're going to wear so they can dress appropriately, tell them what time to meet you and where to meet you, eight out of 10 people that you invite that don't go to church will come to church with you on Easter Sunday. It is not a beautiful tradition, although it is, it's one of the greatest opportunities to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to your unbelieving friends and family. So when you start going, well, I'd like to come, will we have pictures with a bunny? It's like, oh, stupid bunny. I love bunnies. They're tasty. They're soft. But Jesus didn't die so we could celebrate eggs and bunnies. Come on. We're going to share the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means in our lives. So many people are lacking purpose. They still haven't found what they're looking for. Even though some of them have found Jesus, they dropped out of church. Why? Because I don't need another morality lesson. I'm so tired of being told what to do when I already know what to do. I just don't know who I am. I'm sorry, I'm yelling a lot today, aren't I? My voice has to go all the way to Mississippi. I'm sorry. They still haven't found what they're looking for. Worship band, join me if you would, please. Look at this. God isn't using us to build this church. God is using this church to build us. Do you see that? I hope you do, because there's a shift from I go to that church. That's Pastor Jim's church. That's Dina's church. To I am a part of a family of faith 
that is reaching our city, reaching the nations, taking pieces of God's broken heart. We're not talking about it. We're not just praying about it as if that that was all that was needed. We're going to actually go do something. We're going to put casseroles on those prayers. We're going to put legs on those prayers. We're going to rebuild walls that have been torn down. Uh, I I don't know who's got a broken heart for the Ukraine, but at some point, somebody's got to rebuild that thing, and I'd like to be there. Maybe you need to go right now. Maybe you're like, I'm so sick of hearing about all the destruction and fear and the Russians and that. Then then grab your M16 and hit the road, man, because it is so much better. You just told me to kill somebody? No. Yes. Well, kind of. I'm telling you, if you got a dream and it wasn't your flesh because of pride and it wasn't the devil to get you off track, there's only one voice left. God wouldn't tell you to start a prayer meeting, start an orphan ministry, start an adoption ministry, start a sex trafficking ministry. The devil wouldn't tell you to do that. He'll tell you to forget about it or write a check and that's enough or go paint for a day and that'll cover your, you know, your sins for what you did in the third grade. Hear me. We have been called to a beautiful, meaningful, purposeful, gut-wrenching, painful, passionate life. And if you're not living it, man, you're not living in an abundant life that Jesus stinking promised you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And before you misunderstand that statement, it's like life. How many guys know that life is a series of ups and downs? Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And life more? Oh, no. Oh, yay. Oh, crud. Yay. I love Jesus. Oh, Psalms. Help me, God. You know what I mean? Proverbs. I'm so prosperous. Oh, I'm out of money. You know. What, what, is, what is God doing? I, I don't, I think Jesus so often, he comforted the afflicted. Do you see that? But just as often, he afflicted the comfortable. If you're comfortable in your faith, wonderful. Maybe you need the rest, maybe you need the break. I'm not trying to stir you up to some false expectation, but man, if your Christianity is boring you, <laughs> if you're not occasionally terrified, if you're not occasionally way over your head, occasionally doing projects like writing a book or starting a ministry. Man, if you're showing up and doing your thing, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. I'm asking you to ask yourself and your God the question, is there more that you want from me? We look at this so often like it's a, uh, it's a restaurant. How many of you guys have seen the star ratings now for churches? You can Google review this church just like you can Mega or Kentucky Fried Chicken drives me nuts I give it a four the music was good but the preacher talked a long time and da, 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 da. that was my mother by the way you know I'm just just joking mom it was not you it was not you I don't think my mom could find a Google review anywhere right it's like this American bandstand you know I had a good rhythm I, I tapped my foot to it I give it an eight I drives me nuts we're not supposed to be rating a product called church We're supposed to be engaging in what Jesus calls his. And that thought may be new to you because you kind of did your liturgical obligation once a week and you went and you sat and the guy did the thing in the robe with the stuff and the candles and the prayers and the stand up, sit down, kneel down, fight, fight, fight. That's been your, you know what I mean? But I, I, and I hope I'm not saying this the wrong way. I am in no way demeaning any of that. I'm just saying that's not us. That's not us. If you came for a good show, there's a good show. But man, if that's all you came for, may you get so incredibly bored, unfulfilled, and dry in your spirit. See, Jim, was that a blessing or a curse? Yes. 
I, I don't think it was a blessing or a curse. I think it was just reality. Why would God give us something new if we haven't used what he's already given us? Why would we, why would we go with courage if, if what we came here for was comfort? If this is a restaurant, then give it a rating and go find another restaurant. But if this is anything, it's a family potluck. And we all bring something of value to this. We, we all, so Jim, I get that, man, but you don't understand. I, I have nothing of value to give it. I'm in the worst, lowest moment of my life. Hear me, you, and, and please let this connect with you because I'm absolutely serious. Maybe you're at the worst moment of your life, but here's what I know is that you're probably sitting around someone who had the same worst moment, but now it's beyond that moment. They've come out of that. I, I got nothing to give. I, I don't even belong in this church. I'm not good. No, I no, stop, stop, stop. What you can bring into this church is your need because their testimony doesn't make any sense unless they can meet you in your test to help you through it. I've got nothing. Yay. <laughs> I'm just really suffering. Woohoo! But it's so hard. I know. Isn't that great? Because somebody else in this room has been walked through the darkness and the valley of the shadow of death by Jesus himself. By the comfort of his Holy Spirit, by the foundation of his word. And you don't have to walk through this alone anymore. You're in a room full of people that came with a dish to pass, a story to tell, or a friend who doesn't know. That's what we are. If we're anything, can we just be this? We come with something to give. We, we come with a story to tell. We come with someone who has, who's never heard. What, what if that's all we were anymore? A dish to pass, a story to tell, or a friend who's never known. If we just make that simple shift, I'm, what do you hear from? I'm, I have something in me I just need to give away before I leave. Or this week, I just need to give it away to somebody. I have a story, and it's going to encourage somebody that needs that story. I have a story to tell, and I'm going to tell it this week to somebody or somebody's. I've got a friend that doesn't know what we embrace and relish here. And that is freedom through Jesus Christ, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and an abundance of purpose in my life. If, if they suddenly found what they're looking for, would you be their guide to lead them there? Because there's a certain purpose for the sage from the stage. We need one of those. But there's a greater purpose for the thousand guides by the sides. And we need a thousand of you to figure that out. Amen. Stand to your feet all over this room, would you? How many guys know that when you start clapping, the preacher just decides he's done? That was good. Whoever did that, like, yeah, be done. Please be done. Please, okay, he's done. Nothing else. Um, we have a final worship song. You may have caught on. We were doing like one song and then two at the end. And then we did three last week. There's two songs at the beginning, one at the end. So this will be the kind of final worshipful offering expression of ourselves. I love this song. It talks about nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. If you've been holding back on God, and this could be your past, this can be your destiny, but you've been holding back on God, I, I want you to make a special effort today to leave the seat at some point and walk to an altar. This, it's an altar, it's, a, it's the front of the room, it's, but can we just, one more time, just make it the offering plate. It's, it's a place where I don't, I don't have 20 bucks, but I got me. And you go and you stand in it as an offering to God, a living sacrifice. No, I'm gonna walk away from this altar at some point, but I'm not gonna walk away from the covenants I make at this altar. If you're here, and things aren't right between your heart and God's heart. I, there really isn't anything else I have to say. You would know it if things weren't clear and together and copacetic and mutual. If there's something that stands between your heart and his, an altar is a good place to ask those questions to get those things right. If you're in willful sin, disobedience, like, no, nah, I just, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know the binge I've been on. Again, please hear me. What you have done is bad, but what he has done is so much greater than what you've done. And the mercy of God, the mercy of God. Now I'm just taking you clapping as Jim shut up. It's time to worship again. <laughs>
The mercy of God is here for you. Why are you here? Why are you here? If you're so bad, what was it about this place that drew you to it? It's, it's God's redemptive call saying, come on, come on, walk. Yes, you fell. I'm teaching you how to walk, not teaching you how to be in shame on the ground. Teaching you how to be mine, my son, my daughter, my heir. So Father, today I pray that as these altars are now open, this worship team leads us through this beautiful final prayer. Nothing else but will do. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here, God. I pray that this congregation would respond. We are called to so much more than a restaurant that we rate. It's a potluck, and you are the Father at the end of the table. And today we bring to you our dishes, our gifts, our offerings, our kingdom builders, our next steps class, our, our obedience, God. Enough of going to church. It's time to be the church. We make that decision now. We make that decision now in Jesus' name. We make that decision now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. These altars are open. Please feel free.